everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast. We talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by... The fun one, David Allen. Hope everybody's doing well. We got a lot to talk about tonight. No puns intended. Yeah, I mean, we should just let our chat assistant do the talking for us this uh, today's podcast because uh, that's basically all we're talking about. Um, our opening discussion today is about Microsoft's uh, new Edge browser and Bing Search, including a new what Microsoft calls AI Copilot and Chat um, via our new friend ChatGPT. Microsoft is promising the following updates to users um, who search and use uh, web browsing experiences uh, through uh, their new reinvented Edge and Bing tools. Uh, so some of the things that they highlighted during their random secret presentation that happened earlier this week was uh, better search. The new Bing gives uh, people an improved version of the familiar search experience, providing more relevant resu results from simple things like sports scores, stocks, prices, and weather, along with a new sidebar that shows more comprehensive answers if you want them. Um, the other thing we're going to be getting is complete answers. Uh, Bing reviews results from across the web to find and summarize the answers you're looking for. For example, you can get detailed instructions for how to substitute eggs for another ingredient in a cake you're baking right in that moment without having to scroll anywhere or through multiple results. Uh, so for those people who have egg allergies or just looking for gluten-free uh, options, uh, there's a new chat experience. Now, this is the thing that's beginning perhaps the most coverage, even though there's probably the you know smallest section of some of this new AI features. Uh, it's becoming a far more far more complex searches, uh, such as for planning a detailed trip itinerary or researching what TV to buy. The new Bing offers new interactive chat. The chat experience empowers people to refine their searches until they get the complete answer they're looking for. Uh, through more details, more clarity, more ideas, there are, uh, I think, sources in there that you can kind of go on multiple different trips if you want to go down different paths to find even more information. Uh, this thing is supposed to be helping uh, launch Creative Spark for people. Uh, there are times when uh, you might need more answers uh, or just might need more inspiration. The new Bing can generate uh, the content that can help you. Uh, if you've played around with ChatGPT, then you'll know what we're talking about. If not, we're going to get into it in a little bit. Uh, the new Microsoft Edge experience, uh, which has been updated in the new browser. You can just kind of play around with some of that stuff in, I believe, Canary and uh, Edge dev channels has a new all new AI capabilities and a new look, which is tons of rounded corners if you're not into that kind of thing, or vert your eyes. Uh, there's a chat compose section as well, which will be in the edge sidebar, I believe, uh, and it'll give you kind of a lengthy detail or summary of all kinds of things that happen to be on the page that you're looking at. So if you're looking at a website, it'll give you the financials of that site, uh, the data publications, authors, all these other extra information just kind of built into the sidebar. You can either place the sidebar uh, to permanently be there as you're kind of scrolling through the web, or you can hover over the Bing new icon and it'll give you kind of a, a scroll down and then it'll disappear when you move on to the next page. Uh, of course, Microsoft credits its relatively new partner, OpenAI, with being able to deliver uh, its new Edge and Bing experiences. Uh, they mentioned that several times throughout the uh, presentation. Uh, they're using um, OpenAI's chat language, uh, chat GPT language models, but they are adding what they call Prometheus model, which is something that is their own, I guess, filtered layer on top of uh, all of these open AI chat models uh, to adhere to things like sourcing, uh, safety measures. Um, they implemented things like um, 
I guess, a no cheating filter. Basically, if the students want to go in and say, here, write me a term paper, it'll say, hey, how about here's some information that you can write your own paper with? Um, they've also, uh, I think Microsoft is saying that it, uh, when developing its AI cord for search algorithms, it says it's the biggest leap that it's had in two decades as far as the relevancy in its searches, which is kind of an indictment of Bing, but at least promising mm -hmm. for those of us who use Bing or have had to listen to uh, Bing being the butt of uh, tons of jokes. Um, Microsoft's Prometheus model, um, I believe, also allows them to implement it in more ways than just chat. So we'll, I think Microsoft mentioned that they will be having a event or at least tentatively scheduled an event for next month where they will show uh, some of this chat functioning and other more in-depth versions of uh, the uh, language model being shown off in the productivity. So uh, prepare to see uh, you know, the templates that I think people use in Excel, their PowerPoint, things like that, they're about to get way more de detailed and de uh, diverse in the information that is being displayed. So uh, I rambled on for quite a bit. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I, as you as you were mentioning there, I think that a lot of this information has, you know, it's come very quickly. It's come very heavy. And I think, you know, for us tech journalists, we're sifting through it, you know, at a at an interesting pace, and we're, you know, there's various things coming across our desk. Almost, you know, every couple of hours, we're seeing somebody else's opinions. We haven't really seen a big consumer opinion about it yet. You know, consumers aren't ranting and raving, aren't ranting and raving over it. either way, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. And something you mentioned there. Is something I, I want to bring up with Microsoft having their own Prometheus layer. You mentioned that um, you know if if students want to use it to write their term paper or help do their homework, that you know the Chat GPT will divert to giving them information or or you know prompts for what they need. You know somebody is going to pick that up and, and twist that into something too. I'm afraid that you know we're we're this could be the negative side of it. Are people going to say, well, you know, there's the whole censorship thing. There's information accuracy we've got to think about. Um, I'm glad to see that Microsoft is wrapping the Chat GPT into their products and they're starting to create the ecosystem. I think that's the first step, create the ecosystem. And then I think we're going to see chat GPT hit a place of, you know, clean it up, get it standardized, what it will provide, what it won't provide, set the consumer expectation and then say, okay, consumers, this is now a part of our Microsoft 365 offering. Here you go. And then tweak it accordingly. You know, we talked about it on last week's podcast. You know, this is probably the biggest smiles in the Bing department over on the Microsoft campus that they've had in years. You know, that, that they have finally got something that Google is struggling with. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, and I understand that they're rushing, you know, they're rushing it to market. You can already sign up for, you know, be on the waiting list for the new Bing. So let's see what Microsoft does with it now that it's out there. How do they polish it? How do they implement it? I think that is key. 
we know the cash cow at Microsoft is Microsoft 365 and Azure. Get it implemented right, then you've got something. I think we're just scratching the surface of what they intend to do with it. Whether consumers will be receptive to it, we got to see. Yeah, um, and hopefully, you know, uh, journalists like ourselves and everyone will do our due, due diligence in educating everyone about this. So, again, we don't have missed expectations. Uh, we need to make sure that we are clarifying that there is uh, a chat that will be built into Bing. Um, and this chat part is where people can go to do long form, long tail uh, searches. Uh, like you said, it's multiple string along multiple searches into one thing and get a cohesive and coherent uh, response from uh, this updated version of ChatGPT. Then there's the Bing search part that is, uh, I believe, using uh, a supercomputer that Microsoft and OpenAI developed uh, about four years ago, I believe. Um, and that is where it's going to be pulling in uh, more relevant and contextual information for searches uh, so you don't necessarily, you won't go into Bing and just go into the search bar and start typing in like, hey, give me a Valentine's gift idea for my wife uh, of 14 years and her favorite color is purple and her favorite flower is uh, an orchid or something like that. And then get a list of, uh, you know, a, a sonnet plus, you know, the, the perfect places to go buy fresh orchids. You're not going to necessarily get that in the URL search. That is for the chat portion. The URL search itself, though, will give you tons of information and sourced information uh, in a more cohesive area. Uh, so this is where, like you said, the Bing team got a big smile on their face, not only because, you know, they're getting buzz about the chat portion of it, but because the search itself is getting more relevant information. Like I said, in the last 20 years, this is the first time in the last 20 years that their search results have, you know, probably been on par with, with Google. So that is big in and of itself to to say, hey, we've made a leap that, you know, because we haven't had the market share in order to catch up to you, we've done it through a supercomputer, essentially. Uh, we didn't have the world searching us like, you know, everyone searches Google, but we used a supercomputer plus an AI model to catch us up to where you're at. And on top of us catching up, this is the added thing we're at, we're going to be doing. Um, we're also needing, you know, like you and I mentioned uh, the monetization of this. Uh, the security parts of this. There's a lot of questions that are still open for this. And, you know, as I think you and I were talking about off mic, people might be getting burnt out about hearing about it. One, because, you know, they're not using it daily, just hearing the term over and over, like NFT. And, you know, it's like, well, it's not relevant in my life. So I'm tired of hearing people talk about it, something that isn't here. Uh, so uh, with everyone getting burnt out on that part, I think it's incumbent upon Microsoft to, I don't know, maybe rush Windows 12 and say, hey, this is Windows. That little search icon down at the bottom of your screen can now do all these amazing things. Or, or maybe we put the search icon in the middle of your desktop uh, and it does this amazing new types of searches for local files. If you are planning a, a report, say you have, you know, your boss just gave you uh, a ton of uh, uh, numbers in Excel and they, they're like, hey, we need a report by end of day today to give to a client and you can go to ChatGPT or whatever the version of this thing is called and say, hey, spit me out a report based on all of these Excel docs and I need it in a presentation uh, for PowerPoint that is conversational. And I want it to be whimsical at that because our, you know, our client is, you know, party city or whatever. And it'll spit you out a report, slides, data, 
uh, a summation of everything that's in there, and it will be something that you can use. So it's, again, like I said, it's going to be incumbent upon Microsoft in order to sell it that way uh, going forward. The implementation team and the marketing team have are really going to have to work side by side for this to work, I think. And the marketing team is really going to have to spin it. I hate to bring it up, but almost the way Apple is able to spin Siri, Amazon is able to spin Alexa, you've got to make it appealing to the consumer it's got to be easy maybe it needs a buzz you know let's not bring cortana back you know please but it's got to have something catchy something that's going to stick in the consumer's mind and something they're going to want to use or like we talked about off off camera here we are creatures of habit we have been going to bing we've been going to google and we've been typing in the search and we have been asking our phones questions via voice for several years now. There's going to have to be something to convince the consumer to pick this up and say, hey, this is different. I'm willing to make a change. And the implementation team at Microsoft and the marketing team have really got to put their heads together, I think, to make it work. If they make it work, you know, we, we've got something that changes the way we deal with information. If they don't, it'll be a passing fad. And we know, you know, Microsoft is known for having passing fads over the over the last 10 years. I hope this isn't one of them. I agree. Um, and with that being said, we're going to move on to our headlines because our headlines deal with some more of this information. Uh, I will get into some of our boring headlines uh, ahead of your more fun one, something that'll give us uh, get us off this course. Uh, the first headline, though, is brrr, drum roll, uh, Google's response to ChatGPT or Microsoft's <laughs> ChatGPT. So there you go. I got you at the left. We're right back where we started. Um, following Microsoft's uh, announcement uh, with the injection of OpenAI into Bing Search in the Edge browser, uh, Google showed or had a you know their presentation uh, where they showed off, I believe, their new language model. Uh, which is, I think they call it Lambda or L-A-M-D-A for short, which is Language Model for Dialogue Applications. Now, it should also, like I said, I think we noted last week that Google was actually a uh, co-creator of uh, the technology for ChatGPT. So they've moved on to Lambda while Microsoft has gone on with ChatGPT plus Prometheus. Uh, so those are the competing things you need to know about. Uh, their new model is called BARD. Um, I don't, I forgot what BARD stood for, but just know that it's BARD. Um, and Mike, and I believe Google uh, started off their presentation by saying they're initially releasing their lightweight version of the BARD, which uh, uses Lambda, uh, which is much smaller, which is a much smaller model, requires significantly less computing power. This is also something that needs to be said that all of these ChatGPT services require uh, excessive computing power and resources which is why we think that Microsoft is going to have to start charging for this pretty soon because it's, you know, a couple cents for every search, essentially, uh, that equates to millions and billions of dollars being spent in order to run these things at scale. So Google's already starting starting off saying that their version is lightweight and, you know, less, com uh, less computer intensive. Um, Bert, 
which is, I believe, one of their first Transformer models. This is all based on Transformer models. Was revolutionary in understanding the uh, intricacies of human language. Two years later, or two years ago, they introduced Mum, which is a thousand times more powerful than Bert, and was uh, at the next level of multi-language uh, understanding. Uh, they moved on from Mum to Lambda, then Palm and uh, Image and Music LEM, uh, which are all going to be kind of coalesced into this new uh, Bard. Uh, basically, what it'll do is uh, enhance their search. I don't know. I, I think they have a chat version of this, but it'll essentially essentially be a sidebar similar to the way uh, uh, Microsoft is introducing it in Bing uh, and uh, Edge. Now, some of the things that they, uh, other things that they announced, which is weird because for all of this, you know, ChatGPT slash Bard fight, most of the announcement that they had was basically to introduce um, features or expose features to the rest of the world that they already had in a bunch of other other search stuff. Uh, there's, I believe, search with Live View is open up to Barcelona, Dublin, and Madrid. Uh, the image search game is multi-search globally. Google Maps Immersive View is now open up to London, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Tokyo, with plans for Amsterdam, Dublin, Florence, Finitz, and more. Their end of view adds a thousand new transit areas to its library, which includes more airports, malls, and train stations. Maps now has an EV supercharged station, uh, a feature which will point out which uh, where charging stations are along directions, as well as the charging speeds of these places. Uh, and the trans uh, translation app will get the visual upgrades that I believe are already on Android. Now they will be on iOS. So that was my, that was Google's presentation for AI being infused in all their stuff with their own Bard competitor or their own ChatGPT competitor with Bard essentially. So uh, that is that for Google. What do you got for us? Well, let's see. Google has all the information you know and, and we know that i think google has a chance here to yeah they're on their heels right now but i think they you know could could very easily take the lead in what's going on here with the chat gpt and you know all the ai that's floating around regardless of whose version of what that you use remember we've all been using google all these years for a reason they have the most info they have what appears to be the most accurate info so while they may be on their heels with the implementation of their ai and their chatbot based on what microsoft is doing with the new bing i think they can still catch up i saw something earlier today where their employees were not very thrilled with the presentation i know there was some glitches in the presentation i'm not gonna you know get into those or trash google in any way but um oh but i will <laughs> google okay. had google's well that's what i'm saying the, the the funny part was is that the thing that they wanted to show off the the core of the presentation that they were having uh had a malfunction and it produced false information in the demo that is where that it did that that is where you you perfect these things uh and you i don't say necessarily lie to the public but you at least craft a perception of something in those demos whether or not it matches that you know everyone's reality matches that perception once they get the product entirely different but that is at least where you do that 
And I think you, myself, maybe Kip, uh, our managing editor, had a discussion about, you know, would Google have been better off not fumbling the core of his presentation, the, the counter to Microsoft's ChatGPT plus thing, and just save this information for Google I.O. Because, again, while it was, I think it was a 40-minute long presentation in France, most of that presentation was to explain all the features that are coming to search uh, to to their Google Lens, to Maps. These are things, you know, these are known quantities. And it wasn't the AI necessarily that people were expecting. This was all just features that were already there that were being expanded globally. This is more of an international presentation. And you threw in this, you know, probably last minute version of BARD. You made a, 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 a press release, a print release of this the day before or two days before. And then you come up with this presentation that doesn't work. You might have been better off just waiting to Google I.O. and having this amazing like presentation, super polished, several examples, kind of like what they did with the uh, call waiting thing that they did, you know, about four or five years ago where, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, your phone answered and uh, waited on hold for you and then took, you know, uh, reservations, stuff like that. That was super cool. So, you know, as to, to your point of the employees making fun of them, I'm like, you know, this makes them seem like they're more on their heels. Then had they just not responded, yep. say, hey, you know what? We're still the leading search. No one's leaving us anytime soon. And in June, guess what, Microsoft? We have the exact same thing. And I, and I think that's what Google should have done. It, it worries me. And this is something we mentioned on last week's podcast. For people that don't know, Google is two separate companies. And the, the search engine is its own entity. And... The search engine makes its money off of advertisements. Big surprise. When you search something with Google, you see, you know, five, six, seven ads sometimes at the top before you get to your search results. And I think what has put Google on its heels and forced them to give a less than stellar and quick response was, hey, if Microsoft changes the way people search, our ad revenue is going to go down and this unit of our company needs 80% or better of ad revenue to survive. So Google felt like they had to jump out there and jump in the fight. I agree with what you're saying, Kareem. I felt like if they had said, look, we are the king of search let Microsoft do what they will. Let them respond to that. Do what they will. As I just mentioned, Google has all the tools. They have the tools. They have the information. They have the ability. Whether we like it or not, they could have simply said, look, we're going to have something in June. That's all they got to say. That's it. And like you said, come up with something polished, something that makes you go, wow not something that even makes your employees go, uh, what was that? Um, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and I felt like that's what the employees did. That's what I did as a journalist. When I saw the presentation this week, I went, uh, what was that? And there was even an excuse put out. I'm going to call it an excuse. Maybe it was true that, you know, an employee lost a phone. That's the reason the demos didn't go as planned. Well, if that's the case, if your demo was based on one employee's phone 
there's something wrong with that picture. Yeah, skip it. I agree. Uh, what is our next headline? We'll give people a next. Break. Let's let let's let's have a little fun. After all, I am the fun one of the group. So we have this is make you laugh. Blizzard unveils the Diablo cookbook. Yes, folks, a Diablo cookbook with over sixty recipes. Video game merchandise as we know comes in all shapes and sizes and i gotta say this first time i've ever heard of a video game based cookbook the official cookbook will be available from inside editions insight editions on october 24th of 2023 for 34.99 the cookbook is 192 pages and will feature 60 recipes for both food and drink. The recipes will be based on the Diablo universe, characters, locations, and thereof. According to the description from the Simon and Schuster website. So, looks like you can also get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million book stops and indie band wherever or whenever orders become open so a diablo cookbook 60 recipes what do you think those could be and how many of you are gonna pick that cookbook up and actually cook those recipes i um, gotta know yeah i don't think i'm gonna do it but that's only because diablo wasn't my favorite game i encourage uh, every studio to have a cookbook or to have online recipes for their games i would i would love to see what the guys the makers of cuphead would come up for for as far as drinks or coffee recipes or anything like that or uh you know i don't think there's really anything you can do in halo that be food related but there are there are games that i think this caters towards like imagine uh a breadless or a uh, a yeast free cookbook or a non-gluten cookbook for last of us because we know what happens when you add bread into that universe. So I, I encourage, again, I think we should have fun with games. And beyond just sitting in front of a screen, I think is the merchandising should really explore these kind of wacky kind of things. Because there are people who, who do this. There are, there are people who um, have scented candles just for D&D sessions based off of leather and sword and sand and blood. So, like, I mean, people will buy anything. And I say go for it, studios. Well, even your non-gamers are going to pick this up. Your people that are interested in food and drink are going to pick it up just out of curiosity. So that's a completely new market that, you know, you, your culinary person picks it up for the food and drink purpose. Hey, they, they might go buy the game. That's, that's a way to look at it. I agree. Uh, I have a less fun uh, headline. Uh, yeah, wah, wah, you guys can skip ahead if you like uh but we are a microsoft uh podcast so let's talk about some microsoft stuff microsoft uh 365 uh and teams and viva got a ton of features uh last month we're gonna kind of go over it in case you didn't have a chance to uh notice all the features and discuss what's gonna be happening on the roadmap uh we have microsoft teams which got a simplified app update experience uh, with the new simplified app update teams will now maintain an index of all the apps and users that have been approved this feature is tagged 95676 in the microsoft 365 roadmap uh, i believe it's in it was in preview but it should be rolling out later in mo uh, later this month so the end of february beginning of march um for general availability 
Office app. I got idle sessions timeout with Microsoft 365 web apps. Uh, this is a worldwide cloud version. Microsoft is releasing an idle time, uh, sessions time timeout tag 55183 in the Microsoft 365 roadmap to allow users to configure a tenant-wide timeout policy to automatically uh, sign out users after a period of inactivity on my, my Microsoft 365 web apps. Uh, this is a security feature. Um, this will help restrict unauthorized parties from accessing sensitive data concerning the organization, especially when uh, using an un, uh, unmanaged or shared device. The company has indicated this is an improvement over and will eventually replace uh, the current app-specified idle timeout settings in Outlook web app. Uh, and SharePoint online as well. Uh, I don't know when that feature is coming out, but we'll keep an eye on it probably in the next month or so. Uh, the idle session timeout prompt is another feature that uh, sh should be rolling out in the first half of 2023. Uh, Microsoft uh, will announce when it's gonna hit general availability. So keep, we'll keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, the room remote feature for desktop, Microsoft announced that it will be incorporating a new feature dubbed room remote to Teams. Uh, the feature is tagged 95482, which uh, will allow users to control a nearby shared meeting room device from their desktop PC with the Teams client. Uh, the uh, company made it, its, uh, made it its first debut on mobile, uh, and it will begin rolling it out uh, the middle of this month uh, with the release general availability of mid-March. So uh, if you have been trying it on your mobile device, it should match your desktop pretty soon. Microsoft Viva Connections is available on iPad. Uh, Microsoft is debuting this Viva Connections to iPad uh, with, I believe, the tag features 101167 uh, the Microsoft, Microsoft 365 roadmap. Uh, again, this will be rolling out the early, early part of March. It was been in preview for the past three months uh, with general availability towards the end of the month, end of March. The last thing we have is Graph API for Teams meetings uh, for transcripts. Microsoft has incorporated new org-wide application permissions and RSC application permissions with the aim of ensuring that apps can access meeting trans uh, transcripts for a specific meeting. Um, the resource-specific con consent, uh, consent permissions uh, specifically enables admins to authorize users to approve consent to apps so they get specific uh, access to a team's meeting transcript uh, to which is installed to rather than providing them access to the entire tenant. Uh, this feature was tagged 95788 in Microsoft 365 roadmap, uh, which I believe it was in beta last year, last July was uh, in this entire time it's been there, uh, but it's now expected to hit general availability in mid-June. So about a year later, everyone should be able to start playing around with this. And that is the scoop on Microsoft 365 and Teams and Viva stuff. Microsoft, you know, I'm not gonna comment, you know, on each and every one of those or even necessarily comment on a group of them when I when I look at that list that just proves something to me that we we continue to talk about the cash cow for Microsoft is the it is becoming more and more the business the business unit every day the the teams the office the Microsoft 365 the Azure you know that they're pounding on it daily and look at look at that list of features that you mentioned there that's coming or changing and and how quick they seem to be getting some of that done you know I think you know they're continuing to nail down the Microsoft 365 ecosystem the approach and it's it, it's going to play into kind of the chat topic of this podcast it's just a matter of when do we pick up pick up those release notes here in the next few weeks, the next month, the next six months, 
and we've got all of these Bing chat, chat GPTs or whatever the name turns out to be for various things. And, you know, we, we've got a page of release notes. Yeah, I mean, as we as we noted during their quarter uh, quarterly earnings report, uh, obviously enterprise is what maintained through you know turbulent uh, pandemic. You know, uh, it, it's been continually going up before the pandemic. It skyrocketed during the pandemic, and coming out the other side, even though we're still in the pandemic, it is still going up. So that is the business they will, like you said, hammer. That is their uh, Google search. That is the thing that you know they were they're going to need to protect in the coming future. So. Uh, what do you got next for us? Uh, that might be more fun than updates for well, roadmaps. A, a, a little business here to take care of. It is gaming business and something we have had to talk about quite a bit already this year. The Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft merger drama. is back in, yep, back in the news. More drama and it, folks, it's going to be more hoops for Microsoft to jump through. The UK CMA has said, nope, we don't think so. We don't like it. And they have let Microsoft know that, hey, in the current form, we're probably going to oppose this. And, you know, there are people out there for both sides. Sony just jumped up and down, I'm sure. And then the folks at Microsoft kind of hang their head and say, well, what, you know, what curve do we have to go around now? And basically what, the UK is saying here is Mike this is going to give Microsoft an unfair advantage and they're a little and this is something new I have seen they're actually concerned about the UK gamers who they say might not be able to afford Microsoft consoles and Microsoft services that this merger could force them into a sole provider and force someone who can't afford it to spend more money versus you know having maybe a ps5 or a nintendo switch whatever they choose to have the other thing that has been brought up by the uk is they say look call of duty is a big deal you give this cash cow to microsoft the way microsoft computes the value of a customer and what that customer means to them then it only makes sense that at some point microsoft may say hey call of duty is an exclusive or put some sort of stranglehold on the titles where you have to do something with microsoft to play call of duty so the UK has basically said, "Hey, let's let's you know for now we're 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 going to voice our oppositions. Let's let's back up and take a look at this. And I think this is what you're. I don't think the UK is necessarily going to be the only folks that take this approach. And I don't think Microsoft is going to say, "Hey, we're just not going to sell in the UK." They could do that, if I'm not mistaken. They could say, "Look." you don't agree we don't have to sell our products there but you know I, I don't foresee that happening I see the lawyers sitting back down at the table and figuring out how to jump through this hoop Phil Spencer has given several you know nods to say hey we're, we're not going to do anything funny with Call of Duty 
you know, we're, we're going to make sure that gamers get an opportunity to play it on multiple platforms, but they just haven't made the UK CMA happy yet. And I think they are the first ones to step out and just say, nope, and this is why. So let's see what the lawyers can do. Yeah, um, you know, we've been reading about Microsoft um, deal, uh, extended deal for Sony. I don't know if that was in the initial uh, documents that they sent over. So um, this could be something that they're making the decision on based on the documents that they currently had, not the ones that have been added to it. So who knows if that provision uh, could appease them. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're being fair and clear that the CMA's provisional decision comes after, you know, they've investigated um, site-wide visits. They, they've gone to Microsoft, they've gone to Activision, they've talked to everyone there. Uh, they've analyzed 3 million internal documents. That's a ton of documents. Uh, they've commissioned independent surveys of UK gamers. Uh, they've also had hearings. Uh, they've also listened to competitors and cloud service providers about uh, the industry and the market. So, you know, as much as we've written about, you know, Sony being in their ear, they've done their due diligence. They do have a valid argument about uh, people not being able to ex afford expensive consoles, both for Microsoft and Sony, and being forced to use cloud gaming. That market should still be open shouldn't just be dominated by Microsoft. That's their argument essentially saying. Um, I, like you said, I think that they're gonna sit down with the lawyers, hammer out some concessions saying, okay, we won't you know, make these certain deals. We will keep these certain games that are you know, currently in development, uh, that are future development, or the ones that you know, we have licenses for, for past games. We're not gonna start shutting those down. You know? Um, you know, it's gonna be a back and forth, but they are the first to come out and say no. Uh, there is the EU as well that uh, they're finishing up their secondary portion of their investigation. And we already know the FTC is already saying no before they even have anything official to say. So uh, Microsoft's got their work cut out for them. Uh, they have to respond with um, their concessions by March, essentially. So they have about three weeks to figure out what it is that the UK uh, wants, what the CMA is looking for in order to say yes. And then they have to move on to the next one, which is the EU and then the FTC. So their proposed internal date of closing this by like June of this year, maybe slipping further into the fall. What is our last headline? We've got one more folks for you Ubisoft gamers out there. You might be a little disappointed. It looks like maybe Ubisoft may be trying to get some more money out of you. We had mentioned in the past that on Microsoft and in the last few weeks that the Ubisoft games were headed to Game Pass. Well, that, that doesn't appear to be where they're going, but they are coming. The Ubisoft games will be coming in the form of a Ubisoft Plus membership. Kind of like if you're familiar with EA Play and how EA Play fits in with the Xbox Live ecosystem or Xbox Live, listen to me. The, the Showing my age here, folks. The Xbox ecosystem, and if, you know, if you've got the premium membership, you get some of the EA benefits. If you don't, you can buy those games separately through the EA app. And that's kind of what you're looking at here with Ubisoft. And for those that aren't familiar, I'll call out some of the bigger titles, the Rainbow Sixes of the World, the Assassin's Creed, the Far Cry series, all the way through Far Cry 6, I believe. And let's see, we have 
the Ghost Recon series for those that are fan of those. And we don't know any pricing yet, and we don't know exactly when it's going to be available when we uh, put this on the website. But it's coming, so you can expect a Ubisoft Plus app or some way to tie your Xbox membership to Ubisoft to be able to take advantage of your Ubisoft games. I'm looking forward to it. There are a ton of Assassin's Creed games that I have put off on playing. Uh, I have some free time, not a lot, but a little bit that I'm uh, hoping to jump back into these games and play. I want to jump back into some of the uh, Tom Clancy, the Ghost Recons, that's and the Rainbow Sixes. Um, you know that that's what that's what I grew up on. I grew up, folks, on Rainbow Six, Las Vegas. I know you guys remember that one. Yep. The the uh, breaking, you know, it was a big thing to rappel down the rope and break through the windows and start shooting. Best. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to getting back into some of those older titles. The Division, the Division Two, I played both of those. I um, watched Dog Legions. It's a good one. And I'm a fan of the Far Cry series too, but not so much as the um, Tom Clancy series. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, we hope you guys have had fun with us. Uh, we thank you for joining us for another week. Um, we will be keeping an eye on the chat GPT stuff, obviously, and all of the, uh, I guess, Activision Blizzard stuff. Um, but if there's anything, any other topics, uh, we'll be covering some Windows stuff as, as it comes in. But if there are any topics you guys want us to cover or would like us to give special notice to, uh, please let us know in the comments or any of the comments on any of the articles we write because uh, we would love to hear from you uh, on Twitter. Where can people comment or offer suggestions to you? David, PHA1978 on Twitter. And as Kareem said, um, you know, you guys can help us shape this podcast to some degree if you have something you want us to talk about, something you want us to change, throw it out there. You know, we'll see what we can do with it. Yeah, you can find me at MindHead1 on Twitter as well. Uh, with that being said, go enjoy your weekend. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.